Just a heads up before you dive into this episode. My friend Robert Kingett is an incredibly intelligent and forward-thinking individual. However, some of you may find this episode difficult to listen to due to Robert's speech impediment. Namely, he stutters. During the editing process, I have removed some of the more violent episodes and longer pauses, but I left in most of the conversation because I didn't want to discount a part of Robert and try to pretend that he was someone or something he's not. That being said, the content here is so great that I guarantee you won't mind. So, with that, give it up for my friend, Robert Kingett. You're listening to the Unframe of Mind Show, the place to have the most mind-stretching, unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life. Your hosts, Daniel Wagner and Lee Mollendorf, battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth, reason, and evidence over safe room walls. Good morning, folks. My name is Daniel Wagner, and this is the Unframe of Mind Show. Today, I've got a guest that reached out to me to be on the show, and I agreed to have him on because uh, I was rather intrigued by this, let's say, character of sorts. Uh, his name is Robert Kingett, and when he reached out to me, he pointed out that he is a, a blind gay journalist. He is the author of a book called Off the Grid, Living Blind Without the Internet, and a number of other books as well. So as our, as our emails went back and forth, I guess the term walking contradiction <laughs> came to mind, I, I guess, is, is the best way to describe this. I, th- I thought it'd be interesting to bring him on, uh, bring, uh, bring you on rather, Robert. Hey, how you doing, bud? <laughs> <laughs> well, I never, I've never been talked about in such an eloquent manner before in my life, so... <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I um, I I am super good. All How right. about you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's an early morning, and we're uh, just getting the day started. And this seems like the most appropriate way to start a day is to have a podcast. You know, better than breakfast, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I. I, agree. I, I, I I appreciate you uh, calling my introduction very eloquent, where in my own mind it felt very awkward and <laughs> the most awkward, clunky intro ever. So I guess uh, I'll just have to agree with you on that one. But at any rate, one of, one of the things that you had told me, which I was real curious about, was that you actually do work as a journalist for, for a living. And I was curious, you know, first of all, being blind is kind of a, a huge difference from most folks. And I was curious how, like, how does that actually work? Like, what does a quick run through, like a day in the life of, look like for you as in terms of trying to write stories and that kind of thing? Oh, my God. So I live in Chicago, so I cover a lot of mostly local local news and events and everything. Occasionally, I will cover crime and that actually is the hardest of all because sometimes you actually have to go to the crime scene and you have to and you have to interview a bunch of people there you have to get side-eyed by the cops who are like shit the media is here fucking a so um so it's um, and then if you add the disability into everything, it actually becomes a lot harder. I have to be more diligent 
and on top of things than society people. Um, I have to plan ahead a lot more than society people do. It's all about planning and trying to be above everybody else. So generally, I am a free planter. So how that works is I'll have a bunch of uh, story tips and I choose the ones that I want to do and then I pitch an idea to magazines and newspapers and everything like that. And then if they accept it, then hurrah. Um, Occasionally, local editors will contact me and they'll say, I have an assignment. So you have to go to, uh, you have to go to like, um, to a location interview, everybody talk to everybody and, um, and all the editors know that I have a visual impairment. So they, um, so from the get go, they'll say, Oh, and, uh, and so-and-so is going to be driving you. So-and-so is going to be your photographer. Um, so-and-so, uh, so those two, uh, people are going to go with you into, uh, into, let's say the South side of Chicago, which is not a good place to be. Um, if you're Caucasian, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I, it becomes, um, it becomes more, um, instead of one person who can drive, take photos and write the article, um, you actually have to have a couple extra people with you in the editors at the local paper or local news organization are pretty accommodating. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, um, the papers that have not actually been so accommodating are the bigger ones here in Chicago. All the small papers are like, well, you're kind of the best reporter I have, so I don't mind accommodating you because you actually work hard as opposed to all these other millennials who just sit on their ass all the time. So, wow, uh, isn't isn't that a, isn't that uh, doesn't that make even like you said you have to do your due diligence and you have to really focus on before you go out yeah. on assignment and, and then yeah. on top of that is the added pressure of, okay, well you are the best person they have and you have to, you have like this pressure to be even more, you know, an even more brilliant writer, if you will, uh, uh, work even harder than the next guy just to make sure you keep that spot. That's, that's crazy. I can't even imagine. Oh, gee, you have no idea. So it's constant. Like I have to do, 
everything to a T. I can't let anything slip or fall. Now, occasionally I do. I mean, of course, I'm human. So so I screw up occasionally, but I own up to it. <laughs> Wait. And, it, <laughs> and you're human? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I There's s- such a disdain f- for the media now, and it's like, well, okay, I truly get it. Like, I understand why you guys hate the media. I really do. I really understand it. But at the same time, you know, honestly, a lot of mainstream uh, journalists, that they sit in a very comfy office. Uh, They don't have to do as much investigation. Uh, They just maybe have to look at a few tweets and look at a few press releases and everything, and then they have the story. So I can almost guarantee you that there is not a coerced meeting where journalists get together and say, okay, how do we promote our propaganda this morning? I can... (laughs) Yeah, guarantee you that's not how exactly how things operate but unfortunately it's how everybody perceives the media nowadays is the general public actually has no idea what even happens in a newsroom so you have all these people who have opinions about a job that they've never actually done. I've, I've heard a lot of that where there's this like, especially from like the conspiracy theorists, the, the real hardcore ones are, you know, it's almost like, you know, George Soros is in a back room with the journalist and paid him to yeah. do this and that. And, yeah. and, and which th- that might be, there might be some of that going on, but it, on the whole, I, I think the mainstream media doesn't necessarily have, like you're talking about this this smoky backroom meetings going on i i think it's more of a systemic kind of thing where yes yes it's almost like we you hit the we have the head. Yeah. We, we have uh you know so many stories we could possibly cover um yes. especially when it yes. comes to politics and and you know world events yeah. and things like that i mean we're talking about over 7 billion people in the world <laughs> you know there's going to be yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. you can cover I think what it, what shows up is the choices that different organizations choose to cover, the choices of stories they choose to cover. Yes, you you I you are a very smart individual. I <laughs> <laughs> I that is the thing I've been trying to tell people for ages, and they're like, "Well, the whole media is corrupt and evil." I'm like, "Well, well, not really, but." You're not looking at each individual journalist. You're not looking at the organization at this one organization. You think that all the 
media is holding hands and kissing and loving each other. <laughs> and it's just not true. So <laughs> I, I, one of the things I try and tell people is find a journalist who you really enjoy and and support him or her. Uh, don't support, I mean, obviously support huge organizations, but um, a lot of people will look at an op-ed in the New York Times, but if that journalist pens a terrible op-ed, people are going to say, oh, the New York Times is horrible. Like, no, the, that journalist is horrible, not the New York Times. The New York Times is just a platform. Now, doesn't doesn't the New York Times uh, journalists have to put uh, submit their articles through an editor that also has to approve of it or disapprove of it? You know, it's kind of like a, a gatekeeper of sorts that kind of filters through all the different content and decides what actually goes out and what doesn't. You have a point. Yeah, yeah, they do. Man, so, it, it was, uh, if that's the case, I guess yeah. it would be not only the journalist at fault for a, a terrible article, but also the editor as well, and whoever yeah. else ends up yeah. coming in contact with that article. Because at any point, one of them could say, "You know, guys, this is this is not exactly accurate. Um, I can see where they're making stretches here. You know, maybe we ought to edit that and you know, fix that, or what have you." And that's one other thing too is that. A lot of people will choose to support these huge media corporations and your local paper, that small paper that you never check out, uh, that's actually some of the best journalism out there because they have the best editors and they have the best people on the staff is actually the small papers that no and and they and uh, the smaller papers the smaller papers uh, which is kind of what you write for is a local paper right you were talking about yeah um, so y- let's say you guys actually have more of an incentive to do a good job because yes you guys are battling yes. for the attention of people just in your in your local yeah. area now. Now, what I'm yeah. what I'm thinking is that makes perfect sense as, as far as where my philosophies lie. It makes perfect sense that the best journalists would be, or or the best stories even would be written within your com- community. Within you know, it's it's not dealing with the seven billion people problem. It's dealing no, with no, it's not. Yeah, you're, you're dealing with yeah, a smaller yeah. community, and you know, people like to be in the know about what's going on in their local community. And if you can make like my favorite place for like legitimate news, so to speak, or to make sure I get the the right facts is I go to Periscope and I look at videos on the ground of the individual of people that are actually going through things at that moment. I mean, like you don't get any more, (laughs) any more, any smaller (laughs) than that, you know? (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> it just it just makes sense that yeah, as you get on a bigger, grander scale through the large mainstream media, it, it becomes impossible to to handle that little minutia of all the little details, uh, the finer finer nuances of the stories. Does that make yeah, sense to you? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I totally agree. But yet, like everybody is going to move to these um, huge corporations because it's easy. It's easy access. 
So they want to give you lots and lots and lots of content, but quality is not as good as it could be. And so I totally agree on that. But even in local paper nowadays, there's this antagonism towards journalists and the media. Number one, because you work for a small paper, so you don't have the clout as a person, say, in the Chicago Tribune. Also, that everybody thinks that the mainstream local media is fake news nowadays, and it's just, ugh, oh my god. So, I picked a very hard career path. Um, A lot of people would say, if you had just graduated high school a few years earlier, everybody would like journalists, but now, like, you shot yourself in the foot. So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know, um, I I think... People have been lied to. I mean, is that say that's safe to say, right? Oh, of course. Of Certainly, course. I mean, pe- people are getting kind of used to the idea that uh, maybe we need to be a little more skeptical about the things, the content we absorb, because it's not, it's not outside the realm of possibility that a corrupt government might have an incentive to lie to their the population, or they might have an incentive to kind of nudge the mainstream media and say, hey, you know, you need to cover this particular topic or don't cover this topic. Or as we've seen since the last election, what is it, like 90% of the mainstream content has been negative toward Donald Trump? Like, yes. I, I don't care who you are. Nobody's that bad. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the guy, yeah, he makes mis- he makes mistakes. I mean, who doesn't make mistakes? And especially somebody who's not accustomed to coming up in this in this environment where, you know, this political environment, he's not that's not his scene, you know. So it's it's uh, yeah, like to be expected like, that he's going to make like, mistakes. Yeah. But like even I, even. Even I, who is on the left and who leans to the left and who, I guess you could say I'm a liberal. I don't even know exactly what that term means anymore, but... Um, <laughs> That's the problem uh, with labels, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, so They change I, on you. <laughs> let, 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 like, I'm going to be the f- first one to tell you that I think that Donald Trump is a huge idiot, except on the other hand, it's like, it's like every time I look at the knit or the, you know, or any huge left-leaning paper, it's like Donald Trump is doing this. I'm like, well, yeah. And your point, I mean, he does this every day. So what, (laughs) there comes a point where it's not news anymore. It's just, ah, ha, ha look at him look at everything he's actually doing i'm like well (laughs) there are other things to write about and to and to talk about now here here's the here's the sad thing is is 
you know, when, when we when we talk when I talk about mainstream media, I'm talking about like New York Times, Washington Post. I'm talking about CNN, NBC. Just just to clarify. Okay. But it it, it, se- it seems like the more they write about him, the more popularity he receives. Like, <laughs> I know he's. I know. I know you said you you might think he's an idiot, but I mean you don't you don't get to the number one in multiple industries by being an idiot. You might you might be brash and not know all the proper ways to behave in society, if you will, or what have you. But I mean, most of us don't, which is why I think people relate to him. But you don't run for the presidency after having never been in politics and win that contest with it, by being an idiot. You just don't. And I think part of his appeal and the fact that the mainstream media is just being wrapped around a little finger and they keep writing about him, keep writing about him, they keep writing like that he is a marketing genius. Like so much attention is on him all the time. <laughs> like, it's insane. I will give him that. He is a marketing genius. I, I'm probably the only journalist on earth who absolutely refuses to give him a platform or to even interview him or to, I mean, it's kind of ironic because by talking about him here, I'm giving him a platform, but I, you know, I mean, I'm probably the only journalist on the planet who looks at all the things happening and, and actually says, yeah, that's important, but it's not important right now. Here's the thing. It's, more important and then everybody's like what are you insane like (laughs) so i i i agree that he's a marketing genius but at the same time everybody is going to look at a clown so is he doing anything really clever or is he just playing to everybody's immediate shock reaction and nothing else yeah that's that's a great question um problem problem is i i don't know i mean you you can't possibly you you can't possibly know what's actually going on inside the man's head i'm sitting there thinking you 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 mentioned you'd never give him a platform or you you'd never interview him or anything like that and i'm sitting there thinking man i i don't know even even you know i wasn't necessarily the biggest obama fan i, I wasn't like out for blood or nothing like that but you know <laughs> right at the same time, if if he wanted to be on my show or if if I had the opportunity to interview him, I would definitely take that. That's that's an I mean I mean it's still an amazing feat to be able to say, hey, yeah, I interviewed a a U.S. president. That's that's amazing. You know, whether you agree or disagree with him, that's still pretty cool. I like I would I would be thrilled to have that opportunity, no matter how I felt about the person. Oh, I agree. I agree. Actually, I agree about the presidency. I just I. I just something I about that guy. Like, just <laughs> I just I guess I am kind of of two minds about it because yeah, he's present, but at the same time, it's just uh, there's so many other uh, journalists out there who are interviewing him and everything. It's like, well, I really feel like I have absolutely nothing to add to the many, 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 many conversations about him. So it's like, why try if that so makes any sense? You said so, you're, you said you're of two minds of uh, two minds about this. And I would, I would 
kind of push back on that and say, you know, uh, which I, I learned I, first first time this idea came to mind was when I was reading uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. One of the, one of the lines in there, they, they said, "There's there's no such thing as a contradiction. If you think you have a contradiction, check your premises." So you may you may need to go back and reevaluate because I'm almost curious how much if you're being perfectly honest with yourself, how much of this negative view of Trump has been influenced by the constant wave after wave, like the tsunami of negative press coverage? How much of that has influenced you versus how much is really just okay? Yeah, I just really don't like this guy. <laughs> you know, I've, no, I found no, I found I, myself I, even you know feeling I, I listen to things from both sides of the spectrum if there is such a thing and it's kind of like you you hear two people talking about the same person as if he's a completely different person <laughs> like this isn't <laughs> uh, i i can firmly say that i have heard him i mean i've heard his press conferences i look at his twitter and i and I can friendly say that my decision has not been influenced by any of the uh, media. Uh, however, I do know a lot of people who are not internet savvy. And so they don't have enough skills to navigate Twitter. So they get all their information through a third party source. And I say, well, it's okay if you, if you don't like him. I mean, I s certainly don't, but I think you really should look at everything he says coming out of his mouth and not through millions and millions of filtered opinions that's a that's a fair point yeah and that's that's probably the best way to get you know the information you know like you said a lot of people get their information through their their chosen echo chamber if you will like how many people actually hear an article or hear some negative view of some of anybody and then go and view the source material and see and see if it's been like altered or you know changed a little bit to make you know the mainstream media has been caught multiple times doing this where they will take and purposely the, they'll change details of a story on purpose or kind of choose to leave certain details out just to kind of continue pushing this particular narrative that needs to be pushed and it's it's completely dishonest um, but like it's it's not a narrative all the time it's just a matter of it it might actually be okay let's say that you have a terribly incoherent subject and you're interviewing her or him uh her and her or him so you have to extrapolate things from their terrible 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 interview and it's hard um it's not easy and you and you also have a word count that you have to meet so on top of having this incredibly incoherent uh, interview subject, you also have a word count and you also have a deadline to meet. Like you got to have this interview in by tomorrow at 6 a.m. And you don't have the time to go and 
look at. So I, I get what you're saying as far as the time. So 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 yeah. let, let me give you a specific example, like one of the more notorious examples. Back when the George Zimmerman uh, Trayvon Martin case was going on, yeah, you had the uh, I think it was NBC if I if I remember right actually took the audio clip from the nine one one call and edited that clip to make it sound make Zimmerman sound more racist. Um, they specifically left stuff out or they they actually like deleted parts of the conversation and moved it around. Now I, I get what you're saying about not having time, but. If you don't have time, I mean, they had time to do that. You know, that's that's extra added time to do stuff like that to try to put forth a narrative. You actually saw on the television media they took pictures of George Zimmerman. You can look at the original photo of him versus the photo that they put up, and they've taken it and I know you couldn't see it yourself, but they made it yeah. look more. They made him look more white because they have this this story that needs to be told about racist white guys attacking black young men. And they took the pictures of Trayvon Martin himself and, and they, they didn't include anything from his current age. All the wording they used made him sound like a young boy versus a grown ass man, which is what he was. Uh, and it's just, you see these little, these changes that most people would never even know is going on. But when you actually start looking into the details, like there's certainly a lot of that going on where, you know, they have to I thought he was 18. I, I believe that's how old he was. The way they were wording it was making him sound like he was like 12 or 13, like he was a really oh. young, young boy versus <laughs> an adult. If you look back into it and, and, and try to look at some of the original coverage of it, if, if it's even still out there, I don't know, it made, it made you feel dirty once you kind of started really looking into it. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, there's millions of people counting on you guys' coverage to be, you know, honest and accurate and, and actually give us the news. You know, we don't want your opinions mixed in this. And I, and I know it's not possible Has, for anybody to be completely 100% unbiased. No, but it's not. Come on. To, to sit there and alter details, that's, that's dishonest. Yeah, altering details I have a huge 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 issue with and generally if I do have to alter a quote or something I'll actually approach the subject and come right out and say hey you were really incoherent on this last part so can you clarify for me and if you if you can't clarify it, I'll either have to leave it out or or change it or something of that nature or just scrap this whole idea. All this other stuff is good. So have you ever found but, yourself in a in a scenario where you know you're coming up with this this article and you come across maybe some detail that doesn't quite fit the the story that you're trying to tell? Have you ever found then, yourself kind of thinking, it, okay, maybe I just leave that out, or do you have to like rewrite no. the whole? How do you handle that? Those kind of situations. Actually, those kind of situations make me curious. Like, like if I have a preconceived notion, if I have a preconceived narrative, if you will, and then if I go into a scene or a story, and then if I finding evidence or finds something that contradicts my idea or 
my perception, I immediately look at that and go, why? Why is this here? There has to be a reason why this is here. And so I'll look into that. I think that's what journalists ought to do is constantly challenge their own perceptions of things. I think that that's where good journalism comes from is challenging your perception of things. I've never scrapped a story because I've found contradicting information. I don't know anybody who does that. And if they do, then they're not cut out for the job. I'm sorry to say, but man, that's you're just not. (laughs) (laughs) No, you you could not have said that better. That's that's I think that's should be the role of journalists is to actually get to the truth. I mean, at least as close as you possibly can. And be willing to admit when you when you mess up, you know, like, hey, I didn't I didn't see that. However, detail. though, however, though, like I am very unique and I'm very open about my agenda. Like I'll come out and say, yeah, occasionally I'll have an agenda and occasionally I'll find a thing or I'll talk to a person and then my agenda changes. So everybody has an agenda. So you can't not have an agenda. Right, right. That's that's what I was saying before is that it's impossible for yeah. any uh, media outlet to be completely 100% unbiased. Like you're never going to find somebody that's like right in the middle all the time. No. <laughs> so that's so, a, so oh. I actually think that journalists should actually own their subjectivity don't even try to be objective however i think you should challenge yourself yeah 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 makes any sense at all yeah so so almost like you know like um say i'm i'm selling a product or i'm i'm doing a review on a product and and sometimes you're you're actually required to have a disclaimer in the beginning or somewhere on the article or on the piece that says, hey, I actually stand to make a little bit of money from this if you do purchase the products. It would be nice to see journalists do that with their with their uh, content where they, they like, well, I do, you know, maybe in their bio, I do stand on this particular area of this subject. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt yeah. as you read this article, you know, understand yeah. that this is tainted by my particular perception, which I already yeah. I already assume that when I read anything because I know this about people, but I don't think yeah. I don't think a lot of your average consumers of news know this. But at the same time, though, like you could look at an article and you could learn where the author is leaning towards. So why? I mean, so do you think that a lot of people lack that kind of comprehension? I, I think so. I honestly do. Um, and and the reason I say that is because you know, say years ago, like I was maybe. Honestly, I was probably 22, 23 before I even understood the difference between a Republican and a Democrat. Yeah. If I don't even know what that means, how am I supposed to know what side of an, uh, an issue somebody's leaning on? I don't even know what the sides are. I don't know uh, where the boundaries are. 
Um, right. Okay. And that, when I talk, when I talk to people, a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them about libertarian philosophies, and they're like, "Wait, what's a libertarian?" I'm like, "Oh, duh. I I forget <laughs> that I I study this all the time. I I know these things very well. The average person doesn't know, so it might be very difficult for them to read an article and go, "Well, I don't." They're obviously leaning to the left, or they're obviously leaning to the right. They probably don't even know what that means necessarily. You have a point. Yeah, you have a point. So, so how do we f- fix that conundrum? <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. One thing that I tried to do is, is I've actually written this article called "The Fake News Guide." It's your armor against the media cesspool. Yeah, and I tried to take it as, as the most objective stance as I possibly could with this because I noticed a lot of the fake news guides out there were written by the mainstream media or lefty organizations, if you will. And all of them were like, well, don't read these sites. Here's a list of sites you shouldn't read. I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't the, isn't the goal here to help people distinguish for themselves what is true and fake and you know what's a legitimate news source? So yeah. I did not do any of that. The link for that will be in the description below as well. But what it does is is it points out, okay, here is some things that you can do that you can actually, some skills you can actually develop and use to determine what's real and what's not. You don't have to have some left-wing organization telling you, like, look at our website. Don't look at their website. It's basically what I get when I see those dumb lists, which... But like, so, so then I have a question. So like, so everybody who criticizes the left-leaning media says one of two things, either, either that, that they don't want to an uh, agenda and yet they, they want them to hold a uh, truth to power. So, I mean, if you're holding truth to power, you're telling everybody what's true and not. And if that's what you want in journalism, I'm just really confused as to what a lot of people want from the media nowadays, because it seems, it seems like a walking contradiction. So they want the media to put the power back in to the people by giving them all the information, and yet they don't want the media saying, well, that's wrong and that's fake news. If it's false, it's not true. And I want to be told if if a fact is a fact or not oh yeah yeah i I get what you're saying um what i I guess what i'm yeah what i'm trying to advocate for is for people to not just be given a list of websites that are fake news you know which yeah that might that might be accurate but you know like like we were saying before there's no organization that's completely unbiased and you have a huge incentive to put your competitor's website down under that list and just call it fake news and your your readers are going to they're going to believe you you know that which why would they not believe you you know you're already trusted by them anyway 
Um, yeah. They're already putting you as a, as a news organization in this frame of, you know, the arbiter of truth. Like we, we already trust you. So when you write an article to us telling us what is fake news you know, or what is not fake news, I have, a, I have, I personally have a problem with that. And you know, I'm not saying the left is the only ones guilty of this. I know the, the, the right, I, I hate those terms. I really do because there's so many, so many shades I, uh, of all of it, but uh, it, just, Christ. just for efficiency of conversation, you know, there's a lot of right wing websites that do this as well. I haven't seen as much of the dishonesty as in terms of like actually altering details of a subject, but they do also do it in terms of choosing details to leave out of a story or, you know, covering certain angles to the exclusion of another, um, just to push their agenda. And I, I don't like that from any, any source. I think that whole issue, I actually think it all comes down to ad money and ad revenue. Mm -hmm. I think that if a publication had no ads and if it lived off of subscribers alone, I think it'll be a great publication. My fellow leftist homies would turn around and say, well, that means that a publication is going to die. And I say, so if you produce shitty content, then you then I think everybody should choose who they choose to support. And if your media outlet is running off of an ads model, then you're not choosing anything. The organization is going to thrive even if you don't want it to thrive. You mentioned the ad revenue. Uh, I, I like I like your model, um, what you're talking about, because uh, the places that I get, that I trust the most are the sources that are completely listener or reader funded. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the perfect market signal to say, Hey, yeah, this, these guys really support this particular person. And it's not, it's not driven or tainted by advertiser dollars. I was reading through this one. I think it was a political politifact. They had put out a guide to fake news. And one of the things that really popped out to me, <laughs> you'll understand why that's funny to me here in a second, but Basically, as, I, as I'm reading through the article, the, the author, uh, he said some, some websites just want you to click on their pages to generate advertising revenue. And literally a few seconds later, a giant ad for a gardening nozzle pops up on my screen. <laughs> and, 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 it was, and it pissed me off because I couldn't, it was on my mobile phone. I couldn't click out of it. I couldn't navigate back. Like there was no way to, to get away. I was like, and, and not to mention all the other banner ads that were in the sidebar. I'm like, like this is blatant hypocrisy, like right in front of your face. Like, dude, come on, <laughs> you got to be more diligent than that. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> and I think that's why local papers are thriving so much now is because they are totally reader funded. I, I don't think we've uh, necessarily solved the issue, but I, I think uh, there's definitely some things uh, we've given people some things that they can look at and maybe consider when they are choosing their sources for news and information. Um, what do you What do you think? You, f you feel pretty good about our mission here today? Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm 
unfortunately, I don't see this getting fixed anytime soon. I think the left and the right are going to bitch at each other for years to come. And and even though I am in leftist circles, and even though I think climate change is real and all this, it just... there comes a point where it's like, oh, just shut up. Just leave them alone for Christ's sake. Ugh. <laughs> um, but that's my own. Yeah, just a, just a, a, a brief a brief aside on that on that climate change issue. I, I haven't really. That's not one of my main issues that I'm interested in. I don't, I don't neither agree nor disagree with it. My, my, my problem is, is whether it's real or not, is government subsidies and government control the best way to solve that problem? And I would argue it is not. Ah, that, that is interesting. It's a whole nother level right there, boy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, Keep in touch. I would love to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there any particular place you want to point people to so they can check out your work or your book? Um, The easiest way is to go to my website, which is uh, blindjournalist.wordpress.com. blindjournalist.wordpress.com and uh, if you didn't catch that that link will be for you down in the description and uh, keep in mind he is a blind journalist so if you do write to him you know (laughs) make sure it's something that's very readable by some kind of program that reads it for him (laughs) yeah I I cannot tell you how many people will send me images it's it's so strange but they'll send me images of things they tweet to me or they want to tweet to me and it's like uh what here's a scr- here's a screenshot good luck blind dude yeah yeah so i and then i find them back and say okay well now now you have to order me uh order me a pizza or you have to pay for my meal or something like that because that was just <laughs> stupid so uh, <laughs> yeah also uh keep in mind for anyone who purchases my ebook or audiobook off the grid a portion of the proceeds will go to a not-for-profit organization called nv access and they make adaptive technology for the blind. So, hip, hip, hooray. Hey, very cool. Very cool. If y'all want to check out his work, go ahead and drop on by his website and, and uh, hit him up. Let him know you're, let him know you're watching or reading or whatnot. I mean, he, he might be a lefty, but he's one of the good ones. So, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be glad to have him back I on. I, I, I've been called crazy and a lunatic several times so, eh. Hey, it's 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 the price of being uh, rational, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert, it's good to talk to you, man. Wow, was that not the best idea gasm you've ever had? Want to do it again? 
Go to unframeofmind.com to find more mind-stretching, world-altering podcasts, videos, and articles, and get those critical thinking juices flowing.